the Lord today. The psalmist says we should enter into these gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. We should be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Not that he will be. He is. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth does endure to every generation. Amen. So we thank God today. And we bless him for this chance to gather once again. The old saints used to say one more time. One more time. The Lord has allowed us together one more time. So we thank you. It is good to be in the house of worship with other believers, with those who confess and know the great love of Christ. And to be able to say thank you and to bless him for all that he's done. Amen. Today we are honored. I'm delighted because later in our service we'll be consecrating our first class of ministers here at the Sanctuary Church. Pastor Tyrone Bethea and Minister Susan Bethea. Amen. Amen. I've had an opportunity to observe their lives for nearly 10 years now that they've been here watching them and watching their service to the Lord. And I was brought to tears when they were completing the process uh, as I challenged them to with the final exam for them to truly apply themselves. And I challenged them with the reality that I, although we were set to do this, that I was willing that we would uh, postpone it if they did not respond and, and have uh, an adequate uh, percentage of the questions right on that final exam. And so I challenged them, I said, don't embarrass me and let's not embarrass yourselves because you've invited people to come. But I was brought to tears because of the great magnitude for which they did apply themselves. They both scored 98 and 96 respectively. Amen. 98 and 96 respectively. And that blessed me because so often you pour and you do, but you wanna know that it's, it's catching on, it's, it's being caught and that it's been received well and that it's sticking. So for them to score so highly, it truly really blessed me. So uh, we're grateful for that. I want to share with you today a, a message I believe that will inspire you, encourage you. Uh, I, would, I would let you join me in Colossians chapter number one. Just one verse to give us context and then we'll, we'll work from there. The first chapter of Colossians chapter number one verse 16 it reads as follows it says for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him. I want to go back and read that one more time. It says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that which is on earth, 
both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and all things were created for him. So here we find Paul declaring that everything in the earth, everything that exists, finds the true essence of its purpose in Christ Jesus. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, as you go through life seeking to have significance, uh, there's a book that was written called In Search of Significance, looking for significance, looking to be important, looking to be uh, that standout, looking to be something that, that makes a, a rift in the world, something that makes a difference, something that matters. All things were made by him and for him and through him, and therefore all things find their purpose in him. The truth of the matter is, if all things find their purpose, the true purpose in Christ, then the greatest thing that we can do in this life is to pursue purpose. To pursue our purpose, pursue our purpose and understand that that purpose is determined in, by, and through Christ Jesus. The word of God says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they who dwell therein. Because the truth of the matter is, as you go through life, as you go through your, your journey, and as you progress through your career, and as you progress through, your, your, through, the, through the dreams that you have, at some point you will find yourself having come to the end of your road. And the question that you must ask yourself when you come to the end of the road of life, you must ask, have I fulfilled my purpose? Have I accomplished that which, for which God created me? Because the truth of the matter is, there's so many things that draw upon our attention. There's so many things that interest us, so many things that cause us to be, be, to be led by and guided by. But here's the truth of the matter. If all things are found, all purposes are found in Christ, then that means that the only way for me to truly find purpose is in Christ. The doctor finds his true purpose. Yes, he has a calling to, to help people to be well, but he finds his purpose in Christ. The teacher in the classroom helping mold and shape, shape minds of young people, he, she, he or she looks to the future and says, I'm sending them forth that they might be good citizens and good people, good educators and educated individuals, but that person, that man, that woman only truly finds their purpose in Christ. The firefighter who feels compelled to keep uh, our, our society safe and to be willing to run into even a burning building to carry someone out, but that firefighter only finds his true purpose in Christ Jesus. The man who's striving every day, trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good father, he only understands what his purpose is in Christ. Young girl who, who believes that her beauty, her value is in how she looks and how long her nails are and how long her hair is, how big her, how big her eyelashes are. Her, she only understands what her purpose is in Christ. The 
person who's driven to, to make all the money that they, ha they can, to be the richest person, to have the most possessions, only finds true purpose in Christ. Because here's what Jesus says. He says, what benefit, what profit in a man's life if he gained the whole world, but he lost his soul? And then he asks the question, he says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What is your soul worth? The reality, we must ask that question because many times we sell our soul for much less than even a portion of the world. So true purpose is found in Christ Jesus. The first point I want to make today is that purpose inspires you. Purpose brings inspiration. When I understand my purpose, I understand it as an individual, when I understand my personal purpose, then it causes me, when we come together collectively, the church has a collective purpose. Because when you have purposeful people gathering for one purpose, then they understand that they are driven by purpose. The reality of that word inspiration, inspiration, we're inspired to inspire someone or to, inspire, to be inspired is someone who feels an urge or need to fulfill something. Being inspired means to be full, to fill someone with the urge or the ability to do or feel something. It goes on, so synonyms are to stimulate, to motivate, to encourage, to influence, to rouse, to move, to stir, to energize. So when we understand purpose, then we, we understand inspiration. Once, we under, once we're inspired, then we're moved. Once we're moved, we're energized. Once we're energized, we're stimulated. Once we're, once we're stimulated, then we are compelled. Purpose. The truth of the matter is if we understand inspiration, we understand purpose, then it brings us back to the reality that all things find their purpose in Christ. And here's what the psalmist had to say in Psalm 116, verse number 12. The psalmist says, what can I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? What can I give back? God, I understand that you done so much you paid the price we we celebrated the sacrifice of your son for my sins what can I give back to you see the reason that Jesus says do this to remember me because he said this will inspire you this will keep you purposeful when you understand what I've done and why I did it it'll inspire you It'll keep you motivated. It'll keep you encouraged. It'll keep you stimulated. It'll keep you energized. It'll keep you pressing towards the mark. It'll keep you pushing forward. It'll keep you standing. See, when the Apostle Paul says, having done all to stand, Stand, how do I stand? I stand because I am inspired, I'm energized, I'm compelled, I'm stimulated. Because I understand I have a purpose. See, one of the great challenges we face today is that parents don't understand their purpose in parenting. 
They think as long as I put shoes on your back, I mean shoes on your, shoes on your feet and clothes on your back and give you a place to lay down that I'm parenting. But God says that raise them up in that fear and admonition of me. Help them to understand. Uh, uh, the reality of the word says that foolishness is bound in the heart of the children, but the rod of correction will drive it out. Well, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to beat up on my child. Well, I tell you what, there is somebody who will, and they won't care how hard they hit. Oh, I found out that if you, and they're going to play unfair. Because they're going to put some, some, some bracelets on them and put the hand behind their back and then teach them. But you can do it out of love. You can do it with compassion. You can do it with concern. Another thing is that fathers and men are not understanding their purpose. Thus they abandon families. Leave mothers with children to deal with and suffer with and struggle with because they don't understand that God created man first and he gave him that deed to be the head and then he was, he was called to be a father, a husband, and to lead, protect, and provide. Young ladies don't understand their value and the purpose for their body. So they're willing to give it to anyone who shows interest. Why did I give it? Because he asked. But understanding purpose says, wait a minute. My body can be the temple of the Lord. I can present my body a living sacrifice, holy and simple unto the God, who, which is my reasonable service. Young men feel that they are entitled to sow their oats. That they're expected to Drop seed and roll on. Sow seed here and sow seed there and sow seed there. Because they don't understand their purpose. Because when we understand purpose, we feel stimulated, moved, compelled, challenged. Husbands don't understand their purpose. As long as I don't have somebody else, she ought to be glad. No, husbands love your wives as your own body. As Christ gave himself for the church, so ought you give your body for your wife. Wives don't know their purpose. I, I ain't want nobody to be my boss. God never called anybody to boss you just to lead you. Because leading requires your willing following. So when we understand purpose, we walk into that which God intended. If the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all that dwells therein belongs to him, then we then are behooved to then understand our purpose through Christ Jesus. 
there are five purposes that we believe the Lord Jesus has ordained for his church because when the, when the disciples, he walks up one day and he's with the disciples and he tells them, he says, listen, um, who do men say that I am? And they begin to go on about, uh, uh, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah. And he stops and he says, wait a minute, but wait a minute, but, but y'all know me. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. What? Upon this truth that I am the son of the living God, that I came into the world for the sins of the world, upon this truth I'll build my church. The word he uses there is ecclesia. When Jesus spoke, he says, upon this rock I'll build my ecclesia. Ecclesia means called out one. It's a compound word. The called out ones, he said, upon this rock I will call them out. Call them out of what? Call them out of darkness into light. Call them out of the world. And into relationship. Five purposes that we believe that God has ordained. Evangelism. Discipleship. Worship. Ministry. Fellowship. See, when we understand purpose in Christ, then we understand when we come to worship, we should actually worship. Okay, let me help you with this. Uh, so, so, so we gathered at 11, and, then, and, and the worship leader said, stand to your feet and worship. And one-third decided that it was worth standing for. But when we understand purpose, we understand that for which we were called, we are called to worship because Jesus says, the Father is seeking such to worship. See, if everything that has breath can praise God, then, then God don't need any more praise. Yes, we, he's worthy of it, but he doesn't need praise because he's looking for worshipers. And here's what he said. He said, listen, if y'all don't praise me, he said, these stones I'll raise up and praise me but worship demands relationship so he says i'm looking for those who have a relationship with me to worship we understand fellowship because when we understand the purpose of the church the church is to create opportunities for you to be connected with other believers because there's a growing uh, uh, popular ideology that says i don't have to be a part of a church I get what I need at home. But you must understand the history of God to understand that God, even from the beginning, has been calling his people together for worship. The first murder happened after a worship service. Even when there was just four human beings, Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel, the Bible records that Abel and Cain came to worship, came to offer their worship to the Lord. And God said, Cain, I reject what you brought because that's not what I asked for. But Abel, I accept what you brought because that's exactly what I want. And Cain became angry at Abel for his worship. So God has always called his people together. 
So fellowship. Ministry is, the word says that love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. And it says, the second is just like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Ministry is your fulfillment of loving your neighbor as yourself. When we serve in the kingdom, because if I were on the other side of this service, I would want someone to serve me like this. If I was a new believer, I'd want somebody to teach new believers class to help me to understand my journey. If I was someone who was, who was downtrodden and didn't have anyone to turn to, I would want to have a brother or sister that could call on, I could call on to pray with me, to talk with me. Fellowship. Connectivity. Communion. But at the heart of everything that God has given as a purpose are the first two. Evangelism and discipleship. For Jesus said, go ye therefore, make disciples. That's evangelism. The go ye therefore is evangelism. Going and letting someone go and tell someone. Here's what the word says. Uh, uh, the one thing that God said that we would be if once we got born again and, got, and, and, was, and had the Holy Spirit, he says the one thing you're going to be for me is witnesses. He says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my. So every individual who comes to know Jesus Christ is called by God to go and tell somebody else. Evangelism. But then once we go and tell them, then it is our responsibility to help train them, build them up, develop them, cause them to come into the fullness or to mature. The church is like a, a maternity ward. People hear the truth. They accept Jesus Christ in their heart. They're born again, and then they're then nurtured by those who are in the body into maturity. That's discipleship. So the purposes for which God has called us, when we understand that, then we understand that, that, that we can oftentimes come and not have this purpose in our heart. But notice this. Discipleship and, evangel and evangelism can be summed up as two things. Soul winning and spiritual formation. The word discipleship means to help somebody with their fellowship. Fellowship is our connection with one another. Followship is our connection with Jesus and how we follow his leading. Followship. See, many people can come, they know, they know I need something in my life. I know I need to come forward, but they don't know what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's where discipleship comes in. Discipleship classes, others coming alongside and say, brother, I know you, I saw you accept Jesus Sunday, and I want to be, be your brother to help encourage you. Call me anytime. I'm going to call to check on you. I'm going to pray with you. Because I help with your fellowship, how you follow Christ. I want to make a few points very quickly. The first one is that we must live with purpose. The first thing, you must live your life with purpose. God, I, I, once I come to understand that I have a purpose, then I must live with purpose. Every day I must understand that there for, there's something for which God has preserved my life. 
there's something for which God has saved my life. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, look what it has to say. It says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. He said, but watch this, I'm not perfect yet. And I haven't already made it to where I need to go, but watch this, but I'm going to keep pressing to get there. See, oftentimes we give disclaimers because we plan on acting a fool. So we'll, we'll put it out there, you know, I, uh, uh, I'm saved now, but you know, the Lord's still working on me. We like clever things like I'm under construction. Well, the last time I checked, construction has a start date and a completion date. And I don't know how your project has been going for 30 years. Not when the God of all creation stepped out into nothing and said, let there be, and it was instantly. Why does it take him 30 years with you? Still under construction. Pray for me. But look what he says. He says, I'm pressing on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Here's what Paul is saying. He said, listen, I'm pressing that I might complete whatever it was that Jesus had in mind when he saved me. Now read it again. He said that I might lay hold on that for which Jesus laid hold of me. Why did he save me? Why did he spare my life? Why did he preserve me? That I might fulfill his purpose for my life. He says, so I'm pressing because I know I've got a purpose to fulfill. There's a plan that God has for me. And I, I'm using this, this next one, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 8. I'm using the King, I, I normally use the New King James, but I'm using the King James because the King James uses a term that I really want you to see. Watch this now. He says, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure, now Paul is talking about dying. He said, listen, I already know that my, my, my time is coming soon. He said, I'm ready, I'm, I'm, I'm ready though. I'll be dying soon, I'm, I'm ready to go. So watch this now. Uh, 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 oftentimes, as believers, some of us are so scared of death. We're so scared of death. Like, oh my God, you get a headache. Oh, I think I got an awesome good. I might be dying. <laughs> Blood vessel and popped in my head. I don't know what is that. You go and they say, oh, take a, take a Tylenol. Oh, you sure? Because it felt like something was, I felt like some fluid was flowing up. Take a Tylenol. But watch this now. Paul is facing death. But here's what he understood. He understood that if he was born again, to be absent from the body, but to be present with the Lord. And he said, wait a minute. If I have to go, let me go. But here's what he said. He said, listen, I'm ready to go. He said, but it's more beneficial for you all that I stay that I might continue to do the work that God has put in me. So understand, if you're here to stay, you're supposed to be staying here to work. God, spare my life. Heal me. Touch me, Jesus. Touch me, Jesus. You're like, for what? 
He wasn't doing nothing before you got sick. And you ain't going to do nothing after you get healed. Let's be truthful. Watch this now. I'm, I'm going to help you with this. This is kind of comedic. So my mom, you know, she's 80. Praise God. Mother is 83. And so, uh, so, so she, she wasn't feeling well. And so I said, well, mother, we're going to take you over to the hospital. She said, no, no, take no wishes. And I'm not going to mention the other hospital because I, I don't want to make it seem like this. She, she, I don't think she was right, but I don't want you to attach her statement to that hospital and think that that's what they do. She said, because that hospital, they kill old folks. <laughs> she said, they, all, they figure you ain't got that much time left, so they ain't going to do their best. <laughs> with me because I realized, wait a minute. We're around here praying, God heal me, touch me Jesus, touch me Jesus, touch me Jesus. And you're not going to fulfill any purpose he got in your life. Just going to get up and go do your thing like you were doing before. But understanding purpose says, wait a minute. God, if you heal me, I'll do your bidding. If you heal me, I'll tell the world. If you heal me, every time I get an opportunity, I'll tell her. So here's what happened to mother. And, and so, so, you know, it's been several years now. And so been, been, been with her many times. And so many, many times she's sung. And, and many times that she's praying, uh, uh, been, been, been uh, used to sing. So, and then I figured out something. It doesn't matter what song she sings. Sometimes that song makes its way around to, the Lord healed me of colon cancer. <laughs> she could be saying, uh, the Lord, the, uh, uh, I don't know, I can't think of nothing right now, but no matter what it is, Jesus is the light of the world, Jesus is the light of the world, Jesus is the light of the world, the Lord healed me of colon cancer. <laughs> and here, then, I, then one day I actually listened to what she said. She said, when I was in that hospital and faced with the reality of cancer, I told the Lord, if he heals me, I'll tell it everywhere I go. And I said, okay, I got it now. That's how, that's why, because everywhere she go. We were sitting at the bank. The lady was just trying to be nice and be cordial. You know the Lord healed me of colon cancer. Oh, she, he did, yes. The doctors didn't know what, but the Lord touched me. I said, Yes, ma'am, mother, that's right, yep. Because here's the thing. When we understand purpose, then we are driven by purpose. I said, God, heal me. I'm going to tell somebody. You heal me, they won't be able to stop me from blessing your name. You touch my body out, they won't be able to stop me from letting the world know what you've done for me. You won't be able to keep me out of the house of God. Purpose, purpose, purpose. So look what Paul says. He said, listen, he said, I fought a good fight. Watch this now. This is why I came here. He said, I have finished my course. See, Paul said there's a specific course, a specific lane that I was supposed to run in. And he said, and I have finished my course. 
the truth of the matter is Paul says, I have fulfilled the purpose for which God saved me on the road to Damascus. And then he went on to say, look at this. He said, and therefore it's laid up for me. He said, listen, God ain't going to never forget anything you do for him. Look at this verse. He said, henceforth, he said, because I've run a good fight, I fought a good fight, I've run, run my course. He said, henceforth, or therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. The day that I see him, he's going to give him a crown. Say, so, Paul, you, you, you run a, you're in a good race. You get, you, get, you get the crown of righteousness for running your good race. He says, but unto, not to just me, but unto all them who also love his appearance. He said, listen, and it ain't just for Paul. He said, it's for you too. He said, all of us have a course. All of us have a race to run. All of us have a purpose to fulfill. What is your purpose? What is your purpose? The second point I want to make is you must have the mind of Christ. Because one of the things that we find, we're finding today is that we are living such, in a, such a, a selfish society that it is all about me. It's, I never take time to consider what it means for the others. Think about this and please, please understand that I'm not being insensitive to this tragedy because these tragedies are, are heart-wrenching. But when a person walks into a school and shoot up everybody because they're angry, that's selfishness. Because they don't take the time to think, yes, I'm angry. But they don't have to do anything to do with that. And their mothers are going to grieve. Their fathers are going to grieve. Their lives will be cut off because of my anger. That's selfishness. That's why God says, don't have that kind of mind. Have the mind of Christ. Because see, here's the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is exhibited, and that's why we understand purpose in Christ. Because when, you come, when you're in Christ, then you, you, you work to have his mind. And when you have his mind, you don't think only about yourself. You think about others. Look at, look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5. Look what it says. He said, let each one look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. The mind, Jesus didn't die on the cross except for his sake. He died on the cross for your sake and for my sake. He died on the cross not because he needed redeeming, but because we needed redeeming. He died on the cross not because he had a sin debt, but because we had a sin debt. So he looked out for us. And here's the thing. The beauty of what Christ did is, they tried to kill him twice before he actually was crucified. One time they tried to throw him off a cliff. Another time they tried to stone him to death. But in this same, this same letter to the Philippians, Paul says, Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Because Jesus understood, I didn't just come to just die. I came to die a certain death to pay for the penalty of the world. Because the word had already said he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, chastised with my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I would be healed. See, there's no stripes in being 
stone. There's no stripes in being thrown off a cliff. That's why on the cross he says, it is finished. I've done what was necessary to buy their salvation. Finished it. Finished it. His purpose, he finished. I want to show you this real quick, this note. Please take this to heart. Selfish Christianity is an oxymoron because for to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. To be Christ-like is to be unselfish. Thus, a selfish Christian is not very Christian at all. Just thinking about what you want. See, sometimes we don't even take the time to tell somebody about Jesus that we know that's going on, on their way to hell. That's just being selfish. You have this great mystery of the remedy for their soul. And you won't tell them? You won't let them know? He said, let each one look not on his own interest, but on the interest of others. The next point, point number three, is this. We got to have the heart of Christ. What is the heart of Christ? The heart of Christ is exhibited in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, verse 28, verse 19 to 20. Look what he says. He says, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I have taught you. Watch this now. These verses are often referred to, or most often referred to, and most commonly referred to as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Now I want you to hone in on that word, commission. It is a joint word. Co means joint, mutual, or common, or together. Mission means an important assignment or purpose to be carried out. Commission. Watch this now. That means we are missioned together. Co-ed is male and female. Co-mission means everybody in the body fulfilling the purpose. Everybody in the body fulfilling the purpose. So my last point is this. There should be whole body ministry. What's your purpose? What's your gift? What's your talent? What's your ability? What is your purpose? What has God purposed for you when he tugged at your heart and said, come unto me? What did he have in mind when he saw you, where you were, and called you unto himself? Two verses I want to show you. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, looks at this. For, for as the body is one and has many members, but notice this, all, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Everyone in Christ makes up the body of Christ. I love to do this, and if you've been here for a while, I've done it before, so you, you might be tired of doing it, and then if you are tired, still do it today. <laughs> Amen. So I want you to take your right finger, your right index finger. I want you to reach up and touch the very last eyelash. You feel that? Now, if you, if you, if you, if you stuck those on, you gotta reach underneath there. 
get up under to the eyelid. Because you, you're supposed to feel something. You feel that? Okay, now you got it. You feel that? Watch this now. The eyelash is designed as a sweep and a sensor. I had you to touch that because that very last eyelash from day to day, you may not notice if one falls off. But watch this. That eyelash is there as a sweep, so that's why when, you when, it's, when wind starts blowing, the dust starts blowing, you naturally squint your eyes to bring those eyes together so those eyelashes become a broom to keep dust out. Now, here's the other thing. It's a sensor because here's what happens. The eyelash senses and feels because if you happen to be looking the opposite direction and some object is flying towards your eye and getting ready to put your eye out, when that eyelash feels whatever that is, it signals to that eye to close and protect that valuable eye. What am I trying to get you to understand? That even the eyelash on the body has significance. That means that everybody in the body of Christ has a significant role to play. And you may not play it every day, but whenever you do what God purposed for you to do, at that moment you are the most important part of the body. You didn't cry that morning when that eyelash fell off, but you sure will bless God if it keeps your eye safe whole body ministry speaks to the reality because here's what Paul went on to say. He went on to say, he said, look, he said, therefore there are diverse gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Watch this now. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. God has called you. He saved you because you offer something to the body. You offer something to the body. You may not be a hand that's used every week, used all the time. You might be an eyelash that's used on occasion. But everyone in the body ought to be used. Because Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 reminds us that all things find their purpose. How we started is how we'll end. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So I compel you today, pursue purpose. Don't just live life, pursue purpose. And now that you understand that your true and understanding what your purpose is, is discovered in Christ. I compel you to, to this day, come to know Christ. Stand to your feet. If you're here today and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ,